All right. If you don't know this guy, it's time for you to meet this guy. He is a tremendous man of God. He's a tremendous leader. God has given him the ability to have amazing vision. And it, it, we are incredibly thankful that as a church, we get to have a sliver and to be part of as a partnership as to what God is doing with African New Life. And so um, before we let Charles preach and share God's word, I, I want to encourage you on a few things. I'm truly excited that we're able to do a Dream Sunday for them because like COVID has not only affected us here in the States, hasn't just affected us here in Texas and Austin, it's global. And so COVID has affected those in Rwanda as well. And so Charles was telling us that roughly they try to get 2,000 new sponsors for kids per year. They only got 600 this year because they normally go to different churches to do these types of Sundays. And so there's 1,400 children that need to be sponsored. Okay, and so not only that, so here's my challenge for us as a church, and you responded so well last time we did this. And if you recall, last December, we felt strongly that the Lord put it on our heart to raise the funds specifically to build a church in a new village. And I can't remember the name of that village. Karangazi. <laughs> Karangans. I can't even say it right. Yes, say Eastern Rwanda. Yeah, in, in that place in Rwanda. Okay. And so we got some pictures that are a little bit old, but like that building, like Charles was telling us, is the roof is being put on this week. Okay, so that's exciting. Now here's why this was awesome. If you recall, we said that part of their strategy is when they're able to build and come into a community that opens up doors to be able to sponsor other children, okay? So here's my challenge to us as a church. They have 75 children, specifically from this village, from the church that we raised money to partner alongside of them. There's 50 children that are here in terms of the hard copy, and there's another 25 that you can do online. Church, I want them all gone by the end of today. Can we Amen. do that? Amen. Come on. Amen. Like, you know, just, just saying, like, I'm not, I'm not just saying this for you all to do it. We're taking three. The Ziski clan is taking three. Wow. You know, and wow. uh, we want us to do this. So it's like 75 children, and we're going to start to figure out ways how we can go to or want to put boots on the ground there and all that kind of stuff. And so, church... 75, we can do that, okay? It's $39 a month, okay? That's your Starbucks. Buy coffee and do it at home, okay? Like, I encourage you to do that, okay? So before we get into it, I'm gonna pray for you, and I'm gonna let you bring the word this morning. Amen. Thank you. Father, I thank you so much for Charles. I thank you so much for what you've done in his heart, that you've created an obedient heart that's already predetermined to say yes to you. Lord, thank you for using him in a mighty way in Rwanda. Lord, thank you that through him, we're able to see the gospel expand in other areas that we probably normally wouldn't even think about. So God, I just pray that our hearts would be open. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray that you would move inside of us as we look to your son Jesus to respond in generosity, to know that we are well able to afford $39 a month. We are well able. So Father, I just pray that we would be moved that way, but also would you open up our hearts to hear from him in his heart and what you put inside of him to teach us out of Daniel 3 this morning. So thank you so much for Charles and his team. And God, we just ask that your richest blessings would be on him right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, thank man. you very much. Hey, good morning, church. 
It's so good to be here in Austin. Austin has become our second home, and we love this place. We love you, and we want to thank you for the opportunity to do the Fast Dream Sunday since COVID hit us. So this is the Fast Church service where we are presenting children for sponsorship since COVID first happened. So God bless you. Thank you for having open hearts, open fields, open ministries. It's really wonderful. Today I'm really excited because I have a number of African New Life people here. Uh, my sister Specioso, she's visiting us here. Um, uh, Natalie, she's the director of African New Life Ministries. You know her here. Morgan, uh, she's over there. Her husband, um, Job, is a general assistant. He does uh, uh, everything. And then I have three special people from Rwanda, students from here. You want to stand up? Uh, yes. Uh, two of them. Now, this is the beautiful thing. Two of them graduated. Uh, two of them are former students from our high school in Kayonza. One of them is at UT, and another one is at Texas State, which is really beautiful. God, God bless you. And then my son Joseph is with us, and my niece. You know, the whole family is here, and we are excited to be part of your community. I want to thank you for sponsoring around 265 children from this community at Austin Oaks in Rwanda already. Those kids are being sponsored by you. But I also want to thank you for your most generous gift of $150,000 to put in a new church and a campus in Karangazi for that community. But let me tell you, more than the church, that gift has provided jobs for the community of Kalangazi in the middle of COVID because they are building in the middle of COVID. And we look towards soon to start the church service and your pastor soon is going to be coming to Rwanda in the ceremony of opening up that church in Karangas. Is God not so good? Amen. Amen. Today, I am excited to bring God's word. And I'm bringing God's word today from the book of Daniel. <coughs> and if you have your Bibles with you, Please open book in the book of Daniel, uh, an amazing story. I was given chapter 3. I understand you guys are in the book of Daniel, and we're going to do most of our preaching from chapter 3 of Daniel. And when I was reading this chapter of Daniel, in many ways it reminded me uh, some of my stories in my early 20s when I was starting in ministry. I started a full-time ministry in 1990. And then in 1991, in a new community where we had just moved in to plant a church on one of the 
the lake sides of Lake Victoria in East Africa. It was a terrible place with so many uh, witches everywhere and a lot of um, evil people who hated the church. For many years, a number of pastors had started to plant a church in that community and they all failed. So here you have three younger people between me, Charles, Peter, and, and John, Sewava, and three of us are planting a church in this place which is hard and nearly impossible to plant a church. And in the middle of our church, plant, we got our first major attack. And our first major attack came from the military and the secretary of defense for that area. And they told us that we don't have the freedom to make prayers in the night. We had created a strategy to make prayers in the night, partly because the witches also used to pray in the night. They worshipped in the night and worshipped their gods. And we felt like we need to worship the God we represent, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, also in the night. And unfortunately, the military people and the minister of defense did not attack the witches. They came and attacked us who are worshipping the true God. And as a result... They took us to a public square. And I remember that night I was literally beaten, like a real being beaten by the military people. And they declared to us in the country of Uganda, uh, where I started my ministry out, and said, you are not allowed to pray. It was a terrible night with a lot of pain. And around five o'clock in the morning, we were released to return to our houses with the orders never to pray again. Now, you talk about never to pray again in those seasons. We still had the memories of Ida Mindada closing the church in Uganda and sending out to our, our, our missionaries to leave the country. So they meant it. We missed him, uh, prayer just uh, we, we, on, Thursday, on Friday, we returned to the church to pray. And that night as we were praying around midnight, they returned again. And they stopped us from praying and tried to take us to the public square. And we said, no, this time we are not getting out. If you want to kill us, you kill us here in the church. A few weeks later, as they continued to stop us, we missed only one Friday. And the second week, we stormed the church again because we understood our rights, that we had the constitutional right to worship God freely. This is the good news. A few months later, the military men came to us and were asking for forgiveness for beating us up. A few months later, the secretary, okay, the defense secretary became a believer in Jesus Christ. And God opened up 
that entire community put down the power of the witches. Christ was exalted, and out of that ministry, hundreds of churches have been and we have been planted in the nation of Uganda, from which I launched to go start Africa New Life Ministries in Rwanda. In the book of Daniel, around the 6th century BC, Nebuchadnezzar exiled many prominent and accomplished Jews to Babylon. And among them were Daniel, Shadrach, Mesoch, and Abelnego. Daniel's Mesoch, Daniel, Mesoch, Abelnego, Daniel, and some of these guys received high administrative positions in the nation of, of, of Nebuchadnezzar around that time. And after a specified amount of time, the king elected a gold monument and he summoned his officials for dedication ceremony and decreed that they must worship his, this image. And he set up this image for a real worship service. And he summoned people from leadership levels, governors, advisors, treasurers. And this included the three younger men from, 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 uh, from the Jews. In the book of Daniel chapter 3, verse, verses 4 and 6. The Bible says, then the herald loudly proclaimed after the monument was set up, after the idol was set up. And he said, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. It was a command. It wasn't even an option. And he said, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn." And the sound of the flute, and the sound of the zither, and lyre, and harp, and pipe, and all the music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown in the blazing Fire is going to be burnt in fire. And these three younger men, Shadrach, Mesoch, and Abelnego, were hearing uh, the command, but in their hearts, they determined to only worship the true God. And the Bible uh, continues to say in the book of Daniel chapter 8, the astrologers uh, came forward and denounced the Jews. It seemed the astrologers had something about uh, these three younger men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abelinego. Because you remember in the previous verses, the astrologers failed, and these three younger men interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's vision. They are carrying some possibly anger, some maybe possibly some spirit of anti-Semitism. They don't like 
the Jews and they found an opportunity again just like the book of Esther to try to destroy the Jews and destroy the presence of the God who is alive and not dead the God whom all nations must serve because we were not created to serve idols we were created to serve a living God who created the heavens and the earth and has power among us. So they said, Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. And then they went ahead in verse 12, I tried to be fast. And they said, there are some Jews whom you have set up over the affairs of the province of Babylon. There are some Jews. And they named them Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. This is not unusual. You know, many of God's children around the world, they get accused for for their royalty to God. Because when you look at these younger men, they were so royal in their worship. They were so faithful in their worship. They were so committed to their God, and they wanted to worship the true God because they had a revelation of who he is. And the Bible says, They neither serve your gods nor your image, the image of the God you set up. The story continues in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abelinego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We don't have to defend ourselves and our freedom of worship. It's given to us. We need no defense because we know who we worship. And he said, if you are thrown, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And there are two important words there. He is, our God is able. And not only able, he is willing, he will deliver us. We believe in the deliverance of our God. It doesn't matter the circumstances. We believe that God will deliver us and he delivers us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, and I love them for that. I wish my kids would say, or your kids would say, or people would say, you know, even if dad doesn't buy me an iPhone, you know, it's still going to be all right. He is my dad. You know, in that moment, that's the kind of kid you want to buy an iPhone for because your relationship is not about an iPhone. Your relationship is you being the father and they being the children. And they said, even if he does not deliver us, we know we are going to be okay. Friends, let me tell you, we are going to be okay here and we are going to be okay there. 
okay? We are going to be okay here, and if we don't continue to stay here, we are going to be okay there. Even if you burn up our bodies, we know who we believe, and we know where we are going. Amen. And the Bible, amen, amen, amen. The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar was furious. He became angry with Shadrach, with Mesoch, and with Abelnego. And the Bible says his attitude changed towards them. You remember he had given them leadership. Now he had a changed attitude. He ordered the furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than usual. And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Mesoch, and Abelnego and throw them into the fire. And the Bible says, so these men were wearing robes, trousers, and turbans, and clothes were bound and thrown into the fire. Verse 22 says, the, king command, the king's command was so urgent that the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abelinego. I want you to imagine. Just the flames of the fire killed the soldiers. And this is the kind of fire they were thrown in. And the Bible says in verse 24, Then the king leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, we weren't there three men that were tied up and into the fire now I see four, not three, four. Friends, today I want to talk about God's presence in the fire. God's presence in the fire. Verse 25, then he said, look. I see four men walking in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. We see the pre-incarnated Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnated Christ right there with, the, with, with these three younger men. He appears, Christ appears. What a great opportunity in the middle of the fire. Then Nebuchadnezzar approached, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abelinego, and he called them the servants of the Most High. And the servants of the Most High walked out of the fire. And in verse 30, the Bible says, Then the king promoted Misaki, Shadrachi, and Abelinego in the entire province of Babylon. In the scriptures, we can find the history of fire from the burning bush in the days of Moses. We see God revealing himself to Moses and calling him to bring deliverance and to the children of Israel right there in the fire. In the fire, we can see the pillar of fire in the desert with the children of Israel. We see the fire. We see God's presence right there in the fire. 
You know, uh, and not only that, we see the tongues of fire at the day of Pentecost. Okay, we continue to see fire, and we've seen fire again and again, even in our personal lives. Someone possibly has just come out of a fire. Possibly another one has just entered in a fire. Possibly another one has just come out of a fire. These seasons of fires come in different shapes and different ways in our lives. And they come as a threat to distract us from the God we serve. I have heard so many people who tell me that they have turned their back towards God because of the troubles they go through, because of the challenges of life they are going through, and they've denied God. Sometimes as I drive in our city, I see some of our church members of, of some kind of former church member you've not seen for months. I tend to stop and ask them, I haven't seen you in the church for a long time. What is the problem? And many of them will say, you know, Pastor, I've been going through many, many problems. And then I turn around and I tell them, that's not the time not to come to church. That is not the time not to be near God. When you are going through the fire, you need to come near God. You need Jesus in the fire. Because when Jesus is in the fire, when God's presence is with you in the fire, when you embrace the fire that has come towards your life, let me tell you that fire can build you up and that fire can build the kingdom of God around you. And as I talk about the presence of God in the fire, I want to talk about for things, for things that actually happen to you in the fire. Number one, when you walk in the fire, when you are in the fire, God will walk with you in the fire. God promises not to leave you. He says, thank you. And let's give God a big hand clap. Amen. 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 God will walk with you in the fire. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2 to 3. And it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. He continues to say, when you go through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And then listen to this. When you walk through the fire, the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. When you are walking with the, in the fire for God, Okay, for, for your commitment, for the sake of his kingdom, God promises to walk with you in the fire. Those are the moments you see God more than ever before. I want to tell you, when our church was going through persecution, we saw God more than ever before. When our church was going through persecution, we actually saw God's miracles around that time. 
Now remember, the first miracle was the, the witches lost power because the church was going through the fire and persisting in the fire. Another time, which reminds me this time, we had a crusade. This is like a crusade. I love this. And I used to love to preach on crusades. And while we were on this crusade, Another shrine behind the crusade in the neighborhood. Fire came and burnt it. We didn't burn it. Fire burnt it. The witches housing and house of prayer and, and evil was burnt by God's fire. This is the beauty. When you are going through the fire, expect miracles. Expect God to do great things in your life. Expect major, major breakthroughs. Why? Number two, when you are going through the fire, God uses the fire to refine you. He refines you through the fire. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 48, verse 10. See, I have refined you. Though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. I have tested you and I have refined you in the furnace of affliction. I looked to those early days of my ministry and in many ways I can see that they refined my ministry. They refined my calling. They refined the direction of my life. They gave me the boldness up to this day to be able to stand for God. This is actually, thank you. This is actually what happens when God is refining you. This is what God will do. He'll burn down your limitations in the fire. He burns down your limitations. Number two, he burns down what ties you down. He, the fire burns them. Many of us have self-imposed limitations. And we have self-imposed ties. And God also burns down what holds you back in the fire. And I can't see that in my life. How my limitations in terms of faith um, were burnt down. How much things that tied me down were burnt down. Because those moments in the furnace, God refined my life. Number three, what happens in the fire? God will lead you to new freedoms. In the fire, God leads the church. God leads the kingdom into new freedoms, into new ways of doing things. Um, the Bible says in verse 29, and it says, Therefore, I decree, listen to this 
outcome of the fire. I call it the outcome of the fire. You know, we are all going to have some kind of outcomes out of the of the fire. For us, the outcome of the fire in our community were the new freedoms for the church to worship. The outcome of the fire in our community was the leadership of the community to give their lives to Christ. The outcome of the fire was our community standing out for our constitutional rights to worship God in the middle of that opposition. The outcome of that fire was churches planted all over the nation. And the outcome of that fire is this me standing here today still serving the Lord since 1990 when I went through that fire. God refines us. God walks with us. But also God leads us to new freedoms. In verse 29... Daniel chapter 3, we see them getting new freedoms. The Bible says, Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Mesoch, and Abelnego be cut into pieces and their houses be burned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save this way. Friends, no other God can save like our God. No other nation can save like our nation. Let me make it worse. You know we've been going through elections here in America. No political party can save like a, our God. It's our, amen. No, no, none can save like a, our God. Let me tell you, there is no kingdom, no nation, no city that can give freedom like a, our God. Our kingdom, the kingdom of our God. So, these guys got new freedoms. New freedoms to stand for God in Babylon. Wow, what a beautiful thing. New freedoms. Now, you people who live here in America, thank God for the freedoms you have. You, I know some people complain about a few freedoms being taken away from them. But you've never lived in a country where you don't have freedoms. In some nations right now, as I speak, even in some states, they can't have this freedom to assemble. They don't have the freedom. But let me tell you, out of the fire, these guys received amazing freedom. And today, I want to say that God will give you freedom. Out of the fire, God gives us freedom. People who used to enslave you, they set you free. They claim you free. They used to enslave you, but now they say you can't go free. Let me tell you, fire gives us freedoms, amazing freedoms, freedom from the fear of man. Let me tell you, we can be afraid of man so much that we don't do anything. But when you go through some circumstances and some kind of fire in your life, it can actually change you. And you fear no 
man. You fear no circumstances. You fear God. Freedom to worship the true God. Freedom from the opinions of people. What they think about you. Sometimes we are limited by what, by, by how we, by, by what we think people think about us. Freedom from the approval of people. Number four, what happened? Apart from the freedom, they were promoted out of the fire. Verse 30 says, Then the king promoted Shadrach. He promoted Meshach. And he promoted Abelinego in the province of Babylon. Let me tell you, when you endure in the difficulty and endure in the affliction, and endure in the challenge, and endure sometimes when people abuse you for the sake of Christ, and you take your stand for God, especially you younger people who are gathered here. I want to challenge you to learn to take your stand for God. We live in a time when our faith is being challenged everywhere. Some people even get demoted on their jobs because of their faith. But we need to stand for God in the fire and trust God to deliver us. But even when he doesn't deliver us, we're going to trust him. The beauty is, most of the times, God promotes us. Verse 30 says, the king promoted Shadrach. He promoted Message. He promoted Abelnego in the land of Babylon. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. He will deliver us from the hand of the majesty. I want to finish with this verse and these three points. This verse is in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. You can turn with me there. 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. And listen to what the Bible says. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. You've gone through fire. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. What refines your faith? Fire refines your faith, may result into new freedoms. Which freedoms? Freedom to praise God, glory, and to and honor when Jesus Christ is finally revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. The salvation of your 
soul. Friends, let me conclude by saying this. When we embrace the fire, which I'm inviting you to do, is to embrace the fire. Embrace the fire with faith. Trusting that our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us. But even when he does not deliver us, we will worship God. Three things. Number one, God saves us from the fire. And we've seen that again and again. Number two, God saves us through the fire. Let me repeat them. Number one, God saves from the fire. Number two, God saves through the fire. And number three, God saves by the fire. Let me repeat them. Number one, God saves from the fire. He delivers you from the fire. Amen. He delivers you from the fire. Number two, God can deliver you. I have seen this. Let me go back a little bit. Whereby actually God closes the door for you. And a few days later you find out he delivered you from a fire. You were nearly going to go through something terrible and God delivers you. I've had moments of leaving a location. As soon as you leave the location, turmoil begins. I call that God saving me from the fire. Number two, God saves us through the fire. I've had those moments when God has taken us through the fire and he has saved us through the fire. But also number three, God saves us by the fire. By the fire. And he uses the fire to refine us. Friends, let us stand up and pray and worship this God. Let us be reminded of the God we worship. He's a living God. He's a God who delivers us and is a powerful God. God, we come before you. And this morning, Lord, we come to praise you. We come to honor you. We come to glorify you. And we come to give you praise. Thank you for you are a God who delivers us. You are a God who sets us free. You are a God who leads into new freedoms. I pray for your children here that God you continue to bless them and to be with them and to guide them and to gather them to worship you and glorify you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.